Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. We'll be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, this is a common verse for missionary organizations to use to say, man, we've got to get the gospel out. And while I agree 100% we've got to get the gospel out, it's not so that this verse can be fulfilled and the end can come. No, it's because Jesus gave us that as a mission, as a mandate. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Part 2 of the Great Tribulation, we're in the first 22 verses of Matthew chapter 24, and this is where Pastor Sam breaks down what Jesus told his disciples about the end times. And there are many who believe that these days are upon us, and that this is the generation who will see them. Before we get to the end, or as we get to the end of our study today, Jesus says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. There's a prophecy for you. Things are going to get so radical that we would be capable of completely annihilating ourselves. So that's how bad it will get. And, and of course, remember, he's talking about this in the first century. Famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Now, when I share with people who are a bit skeptical or cynical about the Bible, and I try to tell them, hey, these are the signs of the end times, they say, listen, those things have always been happening to which I have to admit you're right. And you need to know that if you're sharing and you're saying, hey, here's the signs of the end times, wars and rumors of wars, kingdoms and nations, warring, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. Well, haven't those things always been happening? Yes, they have. But, but note what he says less, next, because it is, it is the key to unlocking this part of the prophecy. All these, he says, are the beginning of sorrows, literally birth pangs. Why birth pangs? Well, you know, if you've been involved in a birth, and by the way, even if you don't remember it, you have been, uh, all of us, one way or another, but if you've birthed a child or you're a dad and you've been there for the birth of a child, you know that weeks and months before the actual birth pangs, there are these Braxton Hicks um, um, uh, contractions, and they feel like the real thing. At least that's what women who've never actually had the real ones think. And so, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm having birth pains. Well, no, you're just having something to kind of warm you up to what's coming. And uh, then what happens when the actual birth pains begin to appear? Well, they are much greater in frequency and much greater in intensity. That's how you know the baby's coming. You've been there, many of you. It's like, hey, eight minutes apart, five minutes apart, four minutes apart, two minutes apart. Where's that doctor? You know, it's, man, as they get closer together and more and more intense, you know the birth is about to occur. That's exactly what our Lord is telling us here. As these signs grow in frequency and intensity, you know that the coming of the Lord is at hand. He says elsewhere, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Now here's the deal. You don't have to take my word for this. You don't have to get a Bible commentary on it. You can go to the Center for Disease Control on your uh, computer and, and check out all of the incredible amounts of biological dangers there are, all of the different viruses and things that are out there, many incurable, many beginning to mutate. So even when you find something that helps, now there's a new mutation of it. You can go to, uh, there are a very variety of um, places you can go to check out earthquakes. I did this some time back, and, and uh, there's one site where it shows you all the places where earthquakes are actually happening on the planet right now. 
It's kind of shocking. You wouldn't think, well, how many earthquakes would there be happening right now? It can be in the hundreds. And what happens is they've been tracking this stuff for quite some time. And I know we have more sophisticated equipment. We're able to better, you know, see what's going on. But the bottom line is Jesus says they'll be increasing in frequency and intensity. And I promise you, if you check it out, you'll find that to be the case. Well, it doesn't end there. It doesn't stop there. He says, then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Many false prophets will arise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Note how he summarizes the very same thing that really... Paul was telling young Timothy as he talked about lovers of pleasure and lovers of money and lovers of self. He, here he says, listen, a time of tribulation, murder, hatred, all nations, all nations hating Israel. And then uh, many stumbled, many betrayed, many false prophets, many deceived, lawlessness abounding, the love of many growing cold. Now, this brings us to some specifics as it would be, well, first related to the gospel, then related to Israel, and you'll see how important these two pieces of the puzzle are. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, this is a common verse for missionary organizations to use to say, man, we've got to get the gospel out. And while I agree 100% we've got to get the gospel out, it's not so that this verse can be fulfilled and the end can come. No, it's because Jesus gave us that as a mission, as a mandate. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's our call. It's our responsibility in our generation. It's our opportunity in our generation. And so when, when he says, uh, you know, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached and then the end will come, listen. When you read through Revelation, you get the details. This is the big picture. That's the details. What you find is that in the midst of the tribulation, 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel will be sealed. Of course, that means Israel has to exist again. And of course, they do. That's a little bit further down in our study, though. So I just sort of bring that to your attention. But 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel sealed. They will be living witnesses of well, God's plan and power during the time of the Great Tribulation. And multitudes will come to the Lord in the time of the Great Tribulation. I don't believe personally that we'll be here witnessing for him. This is our hour. This is our opportunity. This is our chance. But he's going to call us home and he's going to once again pour his spirit out on Israel. And he's going to use those who respond to him even as he is today in the church, Israel will once again be used by God. Read through Romans 9, 10, and 11. If you're unsure about those things or if you've grown up in a system that taught, no, God's done with Israel and the church is Israel, we're far from it. And our promises are different. Our mandate is different. In fact, there are so many differences, but not time to go into them today. Another time, another study. But basically, what happens is that... Uh, they will have witnesses in that period. Then there's an everlasting angel that flies through the skies preaching the gospel during the time of the Great Tribulation. I believe that to be a literal angel. I had some friends at a uh, Christian TV station try to say that that angel was them and that, you know, we needed to support them because, hey, this is going to keep the, the, you know, the message going out. But the only problem I have with that is that the majority of people who've yet to hear of Jesus live somewhere where they don't have any TV. And I'm like, well, how is your television? 
television broadcast going to get to those millions and millions of people that don't have TVs? I mean, you're going to send them a TV? You're going to set them up with satellite? Because I don't see that happening. Now, maybe that's the solution. Maybe they will do it. But I believe that angel spoken of in Revelation to be a literal angel. Have they appeared in the past? Have they spoken in the past? You know it. They have. They did to Daniel. They did to, to uh, Joseph. Well, they've done throughout Scripture. The Lord has used his angels as messengers to mankind. So he goes on to say the gospel will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. Therefore, verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, Whoever reads, let him understand. Let those in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not come down or take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Woe to those who are pregnant and those nursing in those days. Pray your flight not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. Now, we know we're on Jewish ground because he's talking about Judea, he's talking about the housetops, he's talking about the Sabbath. And we know that, well, from their perspective, this could have been all going down in 70 AD. It was a horrific judgment of God on his people at that period who'd rejected him. But the problem with all that is Jesus didn't return in 70 AD. And right after all these things, our Lord will be returning and establishing his kingdom on the earth. Now, go back for a moment with me to the book of Daniel. We don't always get to do this, but I think I have time for it. And even if I don't, I'm going to do it anyway. Book of Daniel, I mean, who's going to, you know, they got the hook. I mean, how are they going to get me off? So... I want you to see this, though, because it is so important to what we're looking at here. A couple passages, one from the old, one from the new, to just kind of bookend what Jesus is saying. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, and there's so much here, we could have a whole study on it. In fact, I'd encourage you to get the tapes of Daniel 9 if these things are new to you or unfamiliar. But I want to pick up at verse 25, because if I start at verse 24, we'll never get there. Know, therefore, Daniel 9, 25... And understand, from the going forth, from the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome time. What Daniel is prophesying here is the first coming of the Lord. And he's giving a time frame from it, for it. It's actually seven-year periods. These seven weeks, that word weeks, literally translates out seven-year periods, they're heptads in the, the Hebrew. So seven weeks and 62 weeks. And then he says the street will be built. And then note, after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Now you don't have to be much of a student to know that that's going to be a reference to Jesus' crucifixion. First coming, he gives the timing of it. That's why Jesus held him accountable to know. If you'd only know this your day, he says. But then he says Messiah will be cut off as he was at the cross, but not for himself. What does that mean? Jesus died for your sins and for mine. When he was cut off, it was intentional. And yes, the Romans played a part in it and the Jews had a part in it. But Jesus says, no man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Jesus was laying his life down willingly. He was cut off, but not for himself. And then we read, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Did that happen? Oh yeah, 70 AD. The people of the prince who is to come, I believe that prince to be 
Antichrist. It's really the people of Satan who's empowering Antichrist. They come to destroy the city. And the end of it shall be with the flood till the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Then he, Antichrist, you'll see this in a moment, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. This covenant, this speaks of Daniel's 70th week. That's why it's called that. It's the last of the, there's 69, you know, 7 and 62, and then the last week of Daniel, also called the Great Tribulation, also called the time of Jacob's wrath, also called the time of God's wrath, or the time of Jacob's trouble or wrath and God's wrath. So in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate until the consummation is determined, is poured out on the desolate. In the middle of the week, if the last week, and I believe it absolutely to be so, a seven-year period, he's saying three and a half years into that last seven-year period of history as we know it, well, the Antichrist is going to stand in the temple and he's going to declare that he's God and he's going to stop the sacrifices. In fact, turn over now with me to, um, let's see, it's got to be Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I believe. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I usually try to keep you right in the book we're in and just tell you these things, but I just feel like these are so important that you see them, that you get them. Now, I'm going to read this to you, and then I'll explain how the pieces of the puzzle come together, because I know for some of you this is a bit puzzling. It's a bit new. For some of you, you're totally there. You're getting all of it. Uh, pick up with me at, at verse 3. It's a similar warning to those given by our Lord. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of the Lord, the day of His coming, will not come unless, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or worshipped as God, so he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What's this all about? Antichrist is going to come on the scene. And, and here's, here's the scenario. There's so much more here. In fact, let me read you just a couple more verses while we're here. Verse 8 the lawless one will be revealed and the Lord will consume him with the breath of his mouth, destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. And here's why they perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth. Now back to Matthew 24. Here's how these pieces come together. In order for Antichrist to stand in the temple and desecrate it as Daniel says he would, as Jesus said he would, well, there has to be a temple. And in order for there to be a temple, well, there needs to be a nation. In order for there to be a nation, well, in 1948, against all odds, Israel regathered into its land, once again became a nation. Never happened in all of human history in the past that a nation so dispersed and destroyed and devastated would return and be reborn. But, but the Bible tells us that was going to happen. Ezekiel 36, 37, and 38 spells out clearly, and 39, sort of the, the prophetic scenario of all of this, that it would, in fact, happen. Israel back in the land, rebirthed, regathered, at least, in the land. The second thing is Antichrist has to be revealed. So Israel regathered, Antichrist revealed. Then the temple needs to be rebuilt. 
And by the way, while we haven't been over to Israel for over three years, the last time we were there, we met with some people that showed us they have all of the implements for the priest, all of the his garments and all of the, the everything they need for the sacrificial system to be reinstituted. And that's the next part, the temple rebuilt, the sacrificial system reinstituted. All they need to do is actually build the temple. But the dilemma, of course, is the Dome of the Rock sits there on the Temple Mount. Now, just last year, a good friend of mine went over to Israel. He's one of my best friends and took a group. And, you know, my little brother keeps going there, too. So it's, I guess, you know, they're just braver than me and braver than you or we'd be there with them. But but anyway, they they well, no, they didn't bribe because Christians don't bribe. They tipped some guys. To get them up on the Temple Mount. It's hard to get there as a Christian, you see. And, and they had a video camera and stuff, and they're like, hey, stop videoing. And the guy that was videoing kind of just did this number, you know. It's like, if you've ever done it, it's still videoing. just doesn't look like you're videoing. And so he continued to video. And, and Jesus, well, Jesus, my buddy, he wasn't Jesus. He, he doesn't even think he's Jesus. He's totally normal guy. Anyway, my buddy Leo, that's who we're talking about, my, my partner from down in San Diego, he's there and he's talking about the Temple Mount, the Temple Mount, and the Temple Mount, and the guides are getting very upset. Why? Well, they're not Jews, and they don't call it the Temple Mount, you see. They don't want it to be acknowledged as the Temple Mount. Man, that's where the Dome of the Rock is. That's where Islam gathers to worship, second most holy site for them. And so, so what happens is that somebody's got to come on the scene and, and he's got to solve this dilemma. Allow Israel to rebuild their temple without really, you know, causing World War III by destroying the Dome of the Rock. I, I know that's going to happen. How do I know? Because it's impossible for Antichrist to stand in a temple that doesn't exist and declare that he's God and demand that the sacrifices stop and that he be worshipped. And that's what the Bible says is going to happen. I believe that, that not only will it go down exactly as the Bible says, but that it's going to go down soon. Now, I do want to share this. Jesus left that first generation of disciples with enough information to think that he could return at any time. We'll talk about why next time, but I just wanted to throw that out to you so you can be thinking about it. He wanted them to live their lives as if he'd be back any day. But we know from our perspective, unless Israel was well, first destroyed and devastated and then regathered and unless the temple was rebuilt and unless Antichrist was there to make the covenant, remember we read in Daniel, he will confirm a covenant with Israel for one week for that final seven year period. So once that happens, well, Israel regathered, Antichrist revealed, the temple rebuilt, the sacrifices reinstated, ultimately he'll stop them and he'll be exposed, Antichrist that is. Well, where does that lead us then? Well, just to this last couple verses to consider. There will be at that time great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time no nor ever shall be. Now Christians don't all agree on exactly when the timing of every event in Revelation takes place or every event in Matthew 24 takes place. But here's what we do agree on. We are not subject to the wrath of God. We are not going to be disciplined or punished with the ungodly. God does allow tribulation in our life, but that's from man or from the world. This will be his divine wrath poured out on a Christ-rejecting world, and, and he won't punish the godly with the wicked. And so I fully expect to be in his presence, to be in glory with him at this time, but he says, there will be great tribulation. 
It would be that last half of the, of the Daniel 70th week. Why? Because it, it begins when the abomination of desolation is there in the holy place. And then we read, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, they will be shortened. I already mentioned one of the implications of that verse as we kind of get to the conclusion of what we have time for today. No flesh would survive. I've got to read you something out of Zechariah that describes what it's going to be like during the Great Tribulation and, and, and what's going to happen to some of those people who've surrounded and attacked and oppressed the people of God. Listen. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets. Their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. That's out of, by the way, Zechariah 14, the latter part of verse 12. But, but here's my point. If you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, you can get a graphic image of this right now. When they open that ark, that's exactly what happens in that movie. But, but I believe this to be absolutely literal. And, and will it be biological? Will it be, um, you know, our, our armaments? I, I don't know exactly, but I do know this, that, that he's saying things are going to be so bad that unless he stepped in and stopped it, no flesh would survive. Well, where does that leave us? As believers in Christ Jesus, we should be two things by, you know, we should be... Well, we should respond in a couple of ways. First of all, the study of biblical prophecy, literally history in advance for us, biblical prophecy, it's meant to have a purifying effect. Knowing all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be, Peter asked, in all manner of godliness and holiness before the Lord. Listen, we should be living pure lives before him because, well, we are his living witnesses on this planet. And the second thing is we should be out sharing the Lord with people because, listen, this stuff is going to go down and, and the fact that people are oblivious to it or make fun of it or the record album covers have so sort of overplayed it, you know, all the 666 and Antichrist this and, you know, the Great Tribulation that, it's all been sort of thrown around but in sort of a, a flippant and mocking fashion. Someone needs to get out there and, and just say, listen, this stuff is going to happen and you need to prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord. If you're in Christ Jesus, you need to know when that trumpet sounds, when the voice of the archangel sounds, that the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him and with them to be with him in the air. At that time, Jesus promised in John 14 that he would come again and receive us unto himself, that where he is, we would be also. It's going to be fulfilled. His prayer in John 17, I want him to be with me and see the glory I had with you. Father, it will be fulfilled. We'll be in heaven with the Lord. And then all hell literally will break loose on the earth. You want to make sure you're in that first group. You want to make sure that you're in Christ Jesus. And uh, listen, there's no preparing for the great tribulation. There's only the knowledge that it's coming. And, and wisdom says, be prepared to avoid it. Let's pray. Lord, we know that your words are true and as devastating as they seem to know that things are going to get worse and worse, not better and better. Lord, we're still filled with anticipation knowing that ultimately it will lead to our rapture and, and then finally to your return and your kingdom on earth, your rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And we know, Lord, you've promised we'll rule and reign with you for those thousand years. We'll be with you for and in eternity. And I ask now, Lord, that you would move on hearts here. If there would be any or many, Lord, who've never given their lives to you, help them to see that 
it's all true that you told us in advance what would be happening so we'd know the days in which we're living. And we pray not one here would fail to heed the warning to give their lives to you today. And if you've never opened your heart to the Lord Jesus, if you can realize today that you are a guilty sinner and He a holy God, and if you know that Jesus died for your sins, listen, He died that you could have life eternal and life abundant. He died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and He offers you forgiveness today. Forgiveness completely. All your sin forgiven. All your sin forgotten. Here is something that might comfort you. The purpose of the Great Tribulation, among other things, is it's a time where God pours out His wrath on a Christ-rejecting world. Well, as it pertains to you and I and all children of God who have not rejected Christ, God already did that. He poured out His wrath on the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, as He hung on the cross. Now, this is why we are told in 1 Thessalonians 5.9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.